0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this early arrival of a cool weather. As we are relieved of summer heat, we are also concerned with another resurgence of a COVID-19. Please continue to protect us physically, mentally, and relationally. Once again, speak your truth and love to our hearts and minds so that we can obey your will and overcome the world. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Yesterday we heard Paul's instruction about elders or pastors. Today we will see Paul's teachings for slave Christians in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. So let's read 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of a full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. It has been estimated that there were between 50 and 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, and that as many as one-third of the populations of large cities such as Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus were slaves. Thus, the large number of efficient church members were slaves and former slaves. Before we look into Paul's instruction for slave Christians, let me, give, uh, let me share an important historical context of uh, slavery with you. Slavery in ancient world was a permanent reality, which came with many shapes and colors. The ancient Greco-Romans considered, considered slavery a regular fixture of their life with uh, various opinions from inhumane understanding to a fluid and open-minded perspective. For instance, Aristotle said in his Nicomachean ethic, the ethical book that he wrote for his son, the slave is a living tool, just as a tool is an inanimate slave. The only difference between animal and the slave is a slave is articulate while animal is inarticulate even great philosopher gave a very inhumane uh, understanding of a slavery under roman law slave was nothing to be uh, is a things to be bought and sold it's not a legal person so doesn't have any human right roman slavery in the first century uh, to to our surprise was far more humane and civilized than the American slavery practiced in this country during the 17th and 19th century. Whereas in 19th century, American slavery was tragically racist and we are still reaping its, 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 its bitter fruit. Their slavery, ancient slavery was rarely racist. Rather, Reflected the economic political realities of ancient cultures, especially after the famous rebellion of slaves led by Spartacus Spartacus, in seventy three to seventy one before Christ, about little over hundred years before this letter was written, treatment of slaves was improved. Many were freed, and many slaves became professionals and even wealthy. Such as soldiers, government officials, and trades. A few slaves were adopted by Roman aristocrats and later became emperors, such as Emperor Diocletian. He was famous for, infamous for uh, persecuting Christians before Constantine made a Christianity legal religion. All this explained, now this is our point, all this explains why the New Testament writers did not speak for the abolition of slavery. We need to know this context for why New Testament is not explicitly against slavery. So I want you to remember four important historical points. One, by the time the Paul wrote this letter, there were already some positive reforms in effect in regard to Roman slavery. Number two, Assault on slavery would, would have reduced both slaves and masters to poverty. And uh, also, in my wrongly labeled Christianity as a subversive anti-establishment, and uh, remember Christianity is still a new religious movement, and the New Testament writers, they don't want uh, Christianity to become uh, politically too dangerous. Already, they are dangerous because of their faith and faith confession that Christ, not the Caesar, is the Lord. Because apostolic third is because apostolic church was not greatly interested in social reform, but apostolic church, New Testament church, was more fundamentally interested in spiritual reform. And finally, number four, early Christians, they believed that radical brotherhood and equality in the gospel would eventually bring a slavery to an end or peaceful end. And that's why New Testament writers did not speak for the abolition of a slavery. Now, let us listen to Paul's instruction to slaves within our life context. I see two relevant messages for us in the 21st century democratic capitalistic society from this passage. First, Paul tells us, about the importance of a Christian work ethics, importance of a Christian work ethics. Place where we work is, for most of us, is our primary contact with the world or a needy world. Most gospel sharing happens in the workplace. That is where people see what we are really made of because that is where the stress is, where most of our energy is expended. Paul believed that the gospel and work are inseparable, and he called us to work hard so that, in verse 1, God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Some Christians, like some Ephesian slaves, Christians, forgot the importance of a Christian work ethic, and they had a premature eschatological outlook of the world or life that they thought The end already is here. Do you remember? And Paul's earlier warning in 1 Timothy. So they made a gospel counterproductive. You know, once I heard about factory uh, supervisors, a smirk, you know, comment on two of his workers. They happen to be seminarians working part-time. But he said they socialize only with each other and oftentimes taking extra time. And the whole time they were in his factory, they're talking nothing about uh, you know, theology. And uh, one time, one of the guys took a long break, long, you know, rest break. And later he came and talked to the other seminarian, and supervisor heard that uh, the guy was uh, bragging that he read three chapters of the Gospel of John while he was sitting on John. And then... Supervisor was amused. Now, Paul said more explicitly about the work ethics of a slave, Christian slaves in Titus chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And let me just quote quickly. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Try to please them. Not to talk back to them. Not to steal from them. But to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. The key is in the last phrase, make a teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Work ethic and evangelism go together. We can make a teaching about God more attractive by how we work. So question that we have for ourselves today do we make gospel attractive or ugly in our workplace? Do we make Christianity appealing or appalling? The second and another important lesson from Paul's teaching today is how Christians use God-given position as his children and God-given freedom. Verse 2: Paul said, Those who have a believing master should not show them disrespect just because they were fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better, even better, even more. Paul tells the Christian slaves with the Christian masters to work even harder and better. Simply put, Paul is telling us, do not use God-given freedom for yourself and your own selfish gain, but for others and their goods. Christian slaves ought to serve their Christian masters all the more so that they will be benefited by you and that they are dear to you and also they are devoted to welfare of uh, you or of their slaves. Here Paul is saying that God's love for both slave and master made them a brothers and thus they ought to regard one another in love and serve one another. And then slave Christians voluntarily more eager service can benefit both slaves and the masters. Here again, what's in stake is the spread of the gospel, our mission to the lost world. The enhancement and the elevation of a relationship in the church, the harmony of a household with a slave and master would testify to the world about Christ's reality. The unity of a purpose of both slave and master would enable whole houses and churches to reach out to the lost in dynamic accord. The attitudes and ethics commanded in this passage make it clear that service or servitude is a heart of a Christian calling. Marriage is a servitude. Being a husband is a servanthood. A Christian man who commits to love his wife as a Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her commits a whole being to elevated servitude for 50 or 60 years. And he is never so elevated as when he serves his wife. Being a wife is also servanthood. By loving the imperfect man, that she is married to in a thousand days in and out, she is serving God. Family life is a servitude. Parenting is servitude. So Christian core of a Christian life is a serving one another and serving others first before they serve us. This is how we use God-given freedom. And here we learn today from today's passage, we learn this. True servitude Is a Christ-centered and true servitude lead people to Christ and much more make us like a Christ. Listen to words of Jesus. John chapter 13, uh, verse 14 and 19, Jesus said, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Paul followed that point very well. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.19 that, Though I am free free from all, I have myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And Paul calls all of us in his first letter, Galatians 5.13, that, for we were called to freedom brothers only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another dear brothers and sisters for us freedom is not self-gratifying freedom is a god-glorifying through service and servitude so let us serve others in our workplaces in our family today with a god-given freedom Let us live today as the most free people of God with love and service. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are not ashamed of serving others and our servitude because your only Son and our only Savior was a servant of all. Because Jesus was suffering servant of God, we want to serve others with his love, even with our sacrifice. You are our rock and our redeemer. You love us without change, but evermore faithfulness. And you redeemed us through your own sacrifice. You treasured us more than anything, more than any precious thing and powerful people in this world. Help us to do the same as the faithful servants of God today, especially in our workplaces. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen.